My name is Lauren Steiner, and welcome to this edition of the Great Grant Seeking Podcast. In my over 20 years of institutional fundraising, I have seen how effective grant seeking can help nonprofit organizations achieve their missions. On on this podcast, I explore topics and talk to experts on how to level up your grant seeking and your fundraising. And my particular interest in this podcast is not just to talk about grant seeking in a vacuum, but to explore it in today's world in that context. And that means using grants as a vehicle to move us towards a more equitable philanthropy sector. And to do that, we need to have a baseline and see where we are. And it is really exciting today to talk to our guests. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Alice Runke, President, and Ellen Maurer, CEO of GrantStation. Welcome, ladies. Hi, thank you. Nice to be here. Great. Thank you. GrantStation is almost 25 years old. And they help nonprofit organizations through the grant-seeking process. I am most familiar with their online grant-seeking tools like their funder database and their wonderful, amazing professional development programs. And they really do hit all levels of grant-seekers. Something else that GrantStation is known for, and what we're going to talk about today, is their annual State of Grant-Seeking report. So the 2023 report was just released, and this is, as, as of this recording, it's early July 2023, and this is a free report that really serves as an analytic tool for organizations to benchmark their grant-seeking, to report on performance, and even to plan for the future, and it's based on 2,400 respondents. So I'd like to start with you, Alice. Can you tell us how grant seekers can use the State of Grant Seeking Report and um, how, to, how to use it to enhance their grant seeking. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yes, I think that the tool can be used in a lot of different ways to help leverage you know, this information, to help all nonprofits develop that grant seeking strategy that, that really fits who they are. And so one of the things that you're able to do with this report is to look at other similar organizations to yourself and see where you are or where you want to go and what they're doing and their success rates are and try to figure out where that, you know, balance is for your organization. Because we wouldn't expect, you know, a, a large healthcare organization with a full development staff to be applying for the same number of grants and the same amount of grants and types of grants as a small all volunteer literacy organization, for example. And so what our tool allows you to do is to look at at different missions that are out there, different budget sizes, different uh, staff sizes, and compare yourself against other like organizations. And that can help you determine, you know, again, what types of grants you should be going after, you know, if it's federal, what kinds of foundation grants, all the different categories there, you know, what what amounts are people asking for and receiving, um, all those kinds of things. So it really helps you drill down on the information to make it practical to your particular situation and figuring out your own strategies going forward. 
I love that. You know, when I find, you know, talking with many grant seekers is that most feel like their grants program is underperforming in some way. And this can allow them to actually see if that's the case or not, you know, and like you said, then make a plan going forward if they feel like that, you know, grants could be a larger portion of their budget, should be a larger portion of their budget, or if they're doing pretty well for their area. Yeah. And that's kind of an exciting thing too, right? You might think that you're not doing, you know, not applying for as many grants as you could and and looking at your peers, you might find, hey, we're, you know, really on the edge. We're doing, you know, um, with our resources, we're doing what we can do and, you know, and realize that that, um, while it may not feel to you that you're doing the right things, that you really are above, you know, the pack. So it is a great tool. Um, Like I said, you know, looking at, you know, when you start to drill down on the information, you can put in either your current um, information or or even look into the future and kind of see where do you want to go as as an example. And um, and then again, just start to to compare yourself against others to see what kind of strategies you want to set up for the next year. Right. I love that. And Ellen, what about any specific trends or patterns in the data that you think uh, grant seekers should be aware of as they're making their strategy or their plans? Well, you know, Alice and I were talking about this just the other day. Because we do this annually, changes are subtle and slow over time. But one thing that struck me was the disparity between what our respondents are telling us, and that's a lot of people, right? A lot of organizations at 2,400 respondents versus what seems to be screaming out at us from the media. It it isn't always equitable. One example is collaborative applications and then collaborative grant programs. Because we hear a lot about it, and heavens knows, funders love collaborative programs because it lets them broaden their reach. You know, totally understandable. They hit more persons that they want to serve. But the reality is those collaborative programs require, at least based on what we're seeing, a more mature as an older organization that has had time to get a greater number of staff and has had time to get a larger budget. Yeah, it takes resources. Collaboration takes resources. Right? It, it really does. We don't see collaboration really rocking and rolling until, you know, they get to be well over a million dollars, maybe $5 million right. in budget size. So that's important. The other one that, again, Alice and I were talking about, which makes me laugh because you know, it's why there's two of us. We look at it differently. It's donor-advised funds. Yeah. I looked at the results and thought, wow, everybody's talking about donor-advised funds. And the question of where do you receive funding from? It wasn't even do you receive a lot or a little just in general. Only a little more than uh, 30%. I think it was 33% of our respondents said they get donor-advised funds. And I was all like, well, that's not important. We know that private foundations get at least 70, if not 80, you know, percent of our respondents. Whereas Alice was all like, I was surprised. That's a lot. (laughs) So, I mean, again, it, it all depends on where you're coming from. To her, who's more active in actually writing grant proposals, right. that was sort of a new and exciting trend of funding opportunity. Whereas for me, who's looking at masses of data at all times, 
I thought, oh, nothing really exciting yet. In comparison to you can't, you know, you can't hit something on Google without seeing some discussion about it. Oh, it's so true. It's it's been a hot issue for a long time. That is that is interesting. So on that note, what surprised you about the data, either of you? So I was, you know, to to piggyback off that, you know, it to me um, that thirty three percent of people up, um, applying or receiving. Um, funds from donor advised funds. Again, I I thought that was a little higher than I had anticipated. Uh-huh. Um, I, I know that they are certainly um, gaining in popularity, um, but I thought, you know, as a as a previous consultant who worked, you know, with organizations on the ground, that wasn't a huge priority for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it wasn't my go-to areas. And and yet I know, you know, now how much more popular they are, how many more there are, and 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 how you can work with say your local community foundations to see where their donor advised funds are or you know the larger investment firms across the country that do them as well, but um, I was you know that just surprised me that 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 thirty three percent had done it and that two percent of those you know said that those were their highest awards. Um, so I was you know pleasantly surprised by that and it really um, you know would inform my strategies going forward to encourage people more to look at ways to access those dollars. Cause I, I think it, as a trend, it's go, it's not going to go away. It's just right. Like and, and what Ellen said is true too, you know, because of your report, we're able to track this over time and we can really see the uh, changes in our field of institutional fundraising over time, because we can see how much uh, DAFs potentially grow as in importance. Right. Absolutely. Or not, I guess. Yeah. Ellen, what about you? Something that surprised you about the data? Well, we, we asked what the greatest challenge to grant seeking is. And that varies under the top answer. The top answer is always a lack of time and staff. And I don't think that's specific just to our sector. I, I think everyone feels like they could do more with more time and staff. I was just having a discussion this morning with our head of operations. I was like, well, if we had more time and staff, you know. Every organization, so, um, right? And in, in every area, not just fundraising. That's absolutely right. But the rest of it kind of varies. And this year, the second most frequently answered challenge was building relationships with funders. I found that so interesting. Some years back, it's been competition for awards. Other years, it's been finding funders who are willing to give to my mission or in my area. But the building relationships with funders, I found especially interesting only because it feels like it takes work. What I'm hearing is it's a lot of work to build those relationships. And somehow I don't think that should be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much there too, you know, and that would surprise me because especially coming out of the pandemic, it seems to me that funders who who may have had doors that were closed or more uh, opaque processes, you know, hidden behind, uh, you know, behind a wall of some sort, that they've opened those doors. That's what my impression has been, my sort of anecdotally. And so to hear that 
grantees are finding building relationships with funders challenging and more challenging than other facets of grant seeking is a little surprising in sort of this time right now. And and to add to that, actually, I could see though, in in another way where why that might be just at this time being when you before the pandemic, people were out more, you were at meetings, you would uh, have more yeah. chances for just that informal. And That's maybe a now point. because of the pandemic and people are more isolated and you have to make that Zoom meeting or make that call, maybe that's, you know, posed a challenge for that, just not being able yeah. to network and collaborate at a level that we could have done in the past. And so- kind of- organically the way we we would have before. Yes. And I think that could be maybe a trend because of the pandemic time. Um, It's always going to take a lot of time, like Ellen was talking about and you were talking about, but um, it could be just that we haven't been able to do much of that organically lately. And so we got to think of new strategies. How do I make that outreach now? Um, Right. So, you know, again, another strategy that people will want to think about how they can start to build those relationships in a different kind of world. (laughs) There's such good stuff here. I love this so much. Um, So Alan, I want to ask you this one, and this one always sort of makes me chuckle. And that is that every year when I read this report, I read that there's this, and there's a really cool chart, but that there's this correlation between how many grants a grant seeker asks for and how many they receive. And it just goes up, right? If you, the more you ask for, the more you receive. So I'm curious, what do you think is the takeaway that grant seekers should to take from this uh, study, this por- part of the study? Well, I have to tell you, it's one of my favorite questions as well, because, you know, at face value, it's a well, duh, right? Right, of right. Of course, but it's, it's statistically significant. And that's fun. Uh, one of my, the people who works on this with me is very, very, very well educated in statistics. And she, this is a statistically significant question. Okay, cool. So what the deal is, is that if you submit one or two applications, you have a chance. I mean, I'm looking at my numbers. I think it's like 64% of you will win an award. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's more than half. But the minute you jump to three to five applications, then you're up in the 90% range of winning an award. The minute you get six or more, it's nearly 100%, at least win an award. Now, what that tells you is is unwritten, right? It's assumed. What that tells you is that the more frequently you submit an application, the more chance you have to better hone your request, the more experience you get with writing an application, the better, simpler, easier it is for you to build relationships with those funders, the more opportunities you have if you're not given an award to go back and say, hey, can you tell me what I could have done better? You you know, all of the things that come with writing an application, submitting it, etc., the more you do, the better you're going to be. So that's the understated bit. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, um, it gives it some nuance. Like you said, it's on its face. It's sort of simple. Like, yeah, if you submit more, you get more, but there, there is an experience with submitting more applications and something that, you know, we try to balance 
with my team at Grants Plus is, you know, building that relationship with those funders and focusing on that part of the effort or focusing on the volume. And I think it's just about finding the right balance between those two things. Right. Yep. And going hand in hand with that, one of the things that we're always teaching at Grant Station in our online education and in our tutorials is, you know, how to um, do that planning of your grant applications and how to spend a greater amount of time in that planning stage so that then you can take all the information and all the components, you know, pull them out of your planning stage and then write more applications using the funders guidelines and using, you know, their, you know, set of instructions and things and, and how that planning and, and putting all the pieces together and making all the connections is a really important piece and not um, an extra spot. It's like, if you can do that planning, then you can, you know, churn out, if you will, more applications, but only using, you know, the, the each funder's guidelines and their terminology, right. and their expectations. But, you know, once you kind of get that planning done, then, you know, the writing part takes less time. So you can actually submit more applications and then ultimately get more applications. Right. So that what yeah. what is clear is um, it, that it's uh, it's still about best practices, right? And so building relationships and submitting applications, it's not telling us, oh, wing in a hundred applications, never build any relationships with any funders, and you might get some funding. I mean, people right. win the lottery too, right? <laughs> so so it could happen, but. We still are talking about, you know, best practices in funder in uh, institutional fundraising. I'd like to chime in on that. One of the things you can glean from the report is what funder type is most likely to fund your organization. Mm. So if you are a five-year or younger organization with a budget under $250,000 in animal rescue, please don't waste your time filling out a federal form. Right. right. And now that's an extreme example, but we give some guidance that you can glean from the report as to what funder is most likely to fund an organization that looks like your organization. That's so helpful, and especially for new grant seekers. Right. And as Alice mentioned, you can uh, look at it by budget size, which makes a difference, or by mission focus, which mm-hmm. in some cases is a budget size relationship subject. So, I think that you want to be careful who you apply to as well as how many you apply for. Yeah. That's also good advice. Alice, next question for you, apart from the data that is provided in the report, what additional tools or resources do you recommend that grant seekers use to further enhance their understanding of how to succeed in grant seeking? Yeah. So um, I'll tell you a little bit about some of Grant Station's resources that we have, and some are membership based. Uh, and we have annual memberships that are um, affordable on purpose, which is more than a tagline. It's true. Um, but we do provide a lot of, uh, you know, part of our, our mission and our, our values is to level that playing field for all nonprofits. So we do have a number of resources on our website that anyone can use and then additional ones for members. But a couple of the, the free tools that we have that I want to make sure people know about is uh, first the Pathfinder which is a library resource, and it has thousands of um, uh, resources in there. And you can search the Pathfinder uh, by 
kind of the, the, the topic area. So it might, you know, we have information on grant seeking or grant writing, grants management, fundraising, organizational development, all those types of topics. And then a lot of different mediums. So it might be blogs or articles or toolkits or webinars and a whole list of things. And so you can go to the Pathfinder website or the Pathfinder uh, landing page and find information and um, and really, you know, start to hone your own skills. There's great resources for, you know, uh, data resources and evidence based practices and things that a grant writer kind of needs. Um, and then these things can be, you know, right at your fingertips as well. If you are a member, you can save these to your dashboard, which as a grant writer, a lot of times there would be these great reports that would come across my desk and I would I would think, oh, I'm going to save this for when I'm working with this client and then I can never find it, <laughs> uh, you know, and just managing that. So Pathfinder is a great just kind of one stop to find a lot of information across the spectrum of development. Um, so I encourage you to check that out. And another free resource that we have is our insider newsletter. And that goes out every week, uh, U.S.-based, and once a month for uh, Canadian and international. Uh, but what that has is up-to-date, real live um, funding opportunities going on uh, federally and across the country. And that comes and is dropped in your box every week. So you can sign up for free to get that. And um, it's a great resource um, to help kind of keep that churn of what's you know, new and live and exciting in uh, uh, funding opportunities out there. Um, and then I love uh, that insider newsletter. I exactly. use it all the time. Um, yes. It's one of those, you know, we have for any organization that we, we work with, we have our grant seeking plan, but I use that newsletter to, uh, you know, add to it. It's like, I always want to know sort of what's the latest, what's going on. Do we miss anything? Is there a new funding opportunity that we haven't heard about? And that is one that can um, put additional funding opportunities kind of on my radar that I might not have seen before. So I love it as sort yeah. of an add on tool for us. Yes. Yeah. Well, as especially, I mean, I love it as a, as a grant member staff, but as a user, yeah. I, I read it first thing when it came out every week and I would say, oh, here, I might not be able to write this for you, but you could probably, you know, submit an application here. And so I was always sending out, um, that to other people. So it's a great free yeah. tool. Um, please just go to our page. You just put your email in and you get it every week. So I say another one, and you mentioned it before, but I just want to reiterate is that benchmarking tool. Um, I didn't know it existed before we were talking about this podcast, you and uh, you guys and myself. And um, that is a really awesome tool. Just again, for organizations to see how they're comparing with their peer organizations ar around the country or around the world in grants seeking. And um, you can see if you are, you know, doing better than, than, than the average grant, average grant seeker in your space, or if you, if there's room to improve. And I just think that that's an awesome tool that every organization should plug in their information and check out. Absolutely. And it's more than, I don't think I said it, it's more than the report. The report is all there with all the data and all the analysis, but the benchmark is actually 
where you can make it interactive and print out a report to take to your board or take to your yes. development team. And so, you know, yeah, please use the benchmarker tool. And thank you for saying that, Alice, to take to your board. I mean, if I hear, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a million times. Our board says we should be getting more grant funding, but the board members are not professional grant seekers. And then we as development professionals are. And so it's, it, can be a piece of information that you can use to show them how well your organization is doing in its grant seeking performance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one final question, and that is, you know, it's it's maybe a little more timely, but, you know, the Giving USA report just came out and corporate uh, grants and foundation grants were up as a source of funding. And, uh, and the Chronicle of Philanthropy did some coverage about that and, and stated that based on early indications that 2023, which that Giving USA report won't come out until next year at this time, um, 2023 is looking like uh, there may be reductions in institutional funding across the board that would be from foundations and from corporations. And so if that is the case and we are, are going to experience a decline after some years of increases, I'm curious um, from either of you what guidance you would have for our listeners about you know proceeding in a future that looks like that. You know, that's a great question. And I think that one of the things that I would recommend is looking at, um, you know, different opportunities to diversify your funding sources, you know, which, again, as as professionals, we're usually preaching that anyway. But, um, you know, there is right now, you know, also a movement of uh, what's called the great wealth transfer I believe is the the right term. And so it's as the baby boomers are aging and, um, you know, retiring, passing away, that there's going to be a period of time, a decade of, of a great transfer of wealth going on. And so looking at other opportunities for that, um, you know, again, as it, if it's donor advised funds or um, looking right. at planned giving strategies, um, you know, different things about just individual donors and increasing the, you know, say smaller donors to larger donors. I think that this is also a key time to start to wrap your head around what some of those possibilities are, because that's, that is a growth area. And if you're going to have a decrease area over here, you know, you're going to yeah. want to try to find that good blend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, start to maximize some of those opportunities around the individual and planned giving and to supplement, um, yeah. you know, the any decreases that might happen in the, the traditional grant space. Such good advice. And I always say too, you know, it's like, um, and, you know, grants is an area an institutional funding that requires constant care and feeding. And so it's not a matter of letting one area go and focusing on another, but we need to make sure that we're maintaining best practices and in institutional fundraising as well, even, uh, especially in a time when, uh, you know, there may be increased competition, which Absolutely. may be our future. Yeah. Sure. So, well, ladies, thank you so much. It was really awesome to have you on here. Um, yes. Thanks thank for you. sharing. Yep. Yes. And, and people I can access the, um, I'll just great. let you know, on, on our website, you go, um, just log on to grantstation.com and go under public resources and you'll be able to see the grant, um, state of grant seeking report and the benchmarker tool and 
the Pathfinder and all those other free tools that we have. So um, go in and take a look. That is so great. Thank you so much. And thank you to you both and also just to Grant Station for its commitment to the sector. You mentioned that, you know, you keep it affordable, uh, you know, with with intention. And I think that is amazing. And also, you know, speaks to uh, the movement towards equity in our sector that we, the, that we, that we have tools like this that are available and accessible to all. And I think that's just awesome. So thanks again. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. So thank you so much to everyone for listening to today's episode. And if this conversation inspired you to change up anything about your grant seeking, then please follow the podcast because you will hear more discussions like this one from experts who are excelling in our field. And so if you enjoyed today's episode, please give it a share and a follow and share it with your colleagues or friends and or leave a rating or review. And we will see you next time and happy grant seeking.